Hi, I want to welcome you to Raising Playful Tots. My name's Melitza. I hope this show is a place where mothers like you can safely explore a slower, simpler and playful lifestyle so that you can get to the heart of what your family needs to thrive, both now and in the years to come. It's good to be back here on Raising Playful Tots talking to you guys. There was a 1995 study by Hart Risley that found low-income children are exposed to 30 million fewer words than that of their higher-income peers before age three. The knock-on effects of reduced early literacy skills is tied to academic performance, social and income differences too. It's often referred to as the word gap. While that study refers to a specific group and age, I wondered what this might mean if we take this home generally to all of our families, whether we are single parents, large families, dual income, simple living, military, homeschool, whatever type of family we might be. How much quality verbal interaction do we have at home with each child or in general. I wasn't thinking about the parent having a wide vocabulary, just what is the type of interaction we're having and can we have better quality? And that's what this show is about today. Much of what many of us say to our children are instructions and questions like, turn the light out or where's your lunchbox or come here. It's normal life, this is what we do. We tell a lot and ask a lot. There's a time when you curled up on the sofa and read picture books together. Some children and families still do this, but many of us get out of the habit or the children move on to different things. Do you remember those interesting conversations you had with the books? Life changes and like I said, some families are able to maintain that and protect reading aloud times and some families need a different direction. No judgment, whichever way. If I want to have quality verbal interactions, what are five ways that I can improve that? And that's what I'm going to be sharing in the podcast with you guys today. Number one, club and after school time. If you've ever been to a swimming lesson or a karate club, you'll see lots of parents trying to manage children while their other child or children is doing the activity. Many parents are catching up on their devices, some for fun, some for study, some for work. The children the same. This is a great time for some verbal interaction. An example of this, I pulled out word ladders the other day that I found in a box and sat with one of my children as we worked together talking and trying to guess the right answers. His brother came along and after some new rules to make sure we all got a fair try and we had some fun, It wasn't about getting them all right or advancing a grade level. We just had fun talking about the words and the themes. We went off on tangents about school and stories came out. I've always wanted to do crosswords. So recently I bought some junior crossword books to do during these club times and club sessions. Without fail, I would soon have a helper that would come over and we'd start talking about the particular word, whether it fit. He's much faster at sussing out the clues than I am which is pretty humbling 
getting used to that. And we also get to use the app on my phone to be able to look things up in the dictionary and use a thesaurus as well um, is a bonus. It's not for the whole session that we would do something like that, but part of the session that we're out, maybe half of the time and half of the time that they would do things by themselves for the other half. But this is just one way of being able to increase the quality of verbal interaction after school during club times is actually find something specific that you can work on together that encourages lots of discussion and interaction. They're just two examples that I've got. There are many other things that you can choose from. Number two, while doing the kitchen tidy up, I'm a big fan of short stories from real people. So I love shows like Outlook, StoryCorps, The Listening Project. And for a bit of humor, we love listening to Simon Mayo's Confessions. All of these we get on podcasts and we can download them. The stories are very wide ranging and I really have to curate the content heavily, but there are some gems. There are many that aren't good for the children to listen to And so that's really important that you would listen to them first before you share them, because some of them really aren't age appropriate. Fine for us, but not for them. And depending on your ears, the little ears that are around and the ages, that's really important to all of us. But one recent one in early February of 2016 was one called Bringing Up Schools in Bangladeshi Hills. This was a really good one to listen to as a family. I remember listening to it when I was doing some work in the kitchen and it really struck me and I knew that this was something that would be really good to be shared with everybody. So during the family cleanup time, at time when we've finished our meal time, we're taking things into the kitchen, we're putting away the empty pots and pans, we're cleaning up the food, all of that time. That's a great time to listen to something and to be able to talk about it. Another time would be actually during the meal just to change things up. Not everybody has lots of discussions during a meal. And maybe if you do, this is a new thing to be able to do, to actually listen to something and be able to make a comment on it. Most of the programs are really short. So that gives a chance for you to be able to eat and listen and not just end up sitting down. It's great to spark conversation away from the mundane and lets us look into the lives elsewhere of other people. There's also a good perspective, a different perspective, and there's no need to make a point. So when I was listening to these shows, I don't have to end it by by sharing my particular values or anything. These things just kind of came up and you were able to talk about things just in general. We used a few questions to help us to be able to talk things through so that we didn't just get the, the general yes and no answers, of course. Children will still give you those answers, but they've also got food for thought. So I don't underestimate the fact that they listened. And even if they don't give a lot of answers, that they are starting to think about these things and they come back time and time again and bring up things that they have mused on a while. We ask questions like, what did you like the most about whatever the program was that we just watched? Questions like, what surprised you? because they'd heard the title and then they heard the program, what, what was different than they expected. Some of the programs, people made decisions that were for the best and some of them made decisions that weren't. So it's really nice to be able to hear our children explain their feelings about things. So I asked the question, would you have done the same thing? 
And that gives us a chance as adults to be able to explain what we would have done maybe at the end as well. Simple questions and interaction, listening to ordinary heroes and ordinary people. Another thing to do is to collect news reports or videos of things that you found interesting to share. There are lots of apps that help you clip articles and store them like Pocket or Pinterest or Evernote. I love heartwarming tales to be able to share with the kids. There's so many negativity and negative things that happen in the news. Being able to show them the fun and the exciting and the special and the heartwarming to kind of redress the balance, especially if you're curating news for your kids because you don't want them to be listening to specific types of news. Maybe the news at the moment isn't the news that you want them to be listening to or you have very specific views on how much news that your children are listening to. This is a really good way of curating news to be able to share with them the good and the fun and the exciting and the heartwarming, all the things that you get to be able to talk about. Anything that gets to start a conversation. Starting a conversation by having a prompt is something that we really love. Number three, sleep time. Do you have a special series that you're reading? Maybe it's a read aloud time or the children listen to a story. Recently, I noticed that my sons had got stuck in Pokemon and Minions and Calvin and Hobbes. I, I don't know how it happened quite that way, but it has. Um, it'll always be something that they get stuck into. This will change frequently, but I know that I can manage this craze better. Apart from the reading challenge for the year to get them to read a wider variety of books, I can, as a parent, encourage other books. And I challenge you to keep a record of the books that your children are reading and see if they're sticking to a certain type of book. It's not all bad to have a certain type of book that you love to read, but I saw that mine were leaning towards cartoon-based books only, and although they loved other books, they would get stuck. That's my lookout. So while chocolate is good, it's not good all the time, right? So sleep time is a, a natural time for many families to ask about the day and end on a positive note because you have that special one-on-one -on -one time. It's good to be able to have conversations just then, quality conversations, just by sitting there with them in a room. Number four, early morning or after they've gone to the bed. This is especially good for your older children. As you have more and more children, finding the time to spend with each child individually to have quality time, quality interaction, quality verbal interaction um, can be difficult. The things that you talk about with your teen or your upper elementary or your middle schooler will be different than what you will talk about with the younger children. And there's perhaps a time and a place for when you can talk. There's more you want to have more time when you can pause and just listen and wait in the silence to see whether the children want to say something. They want to have private time where it's just you and they by themselves to be able to tell you their private thoughts and the things that are really on their mind. And that takes time too. And not having their little brothers and sisters running around as well. Maybe you've maintained this from when they were younger and you've managed to find a time 
But it's often as they're beginning to enter the teen years that you realize that there is some sort of disconnect. And we have found that early in the morning has been perfect because he's the only one that's awake and it's perfect as he potters around getting his lunch and his breakfast. We can talk, not too much, but if there's something that he wants to bring up, he can, knowing full well that there's no one else around to interrupt him and he can share. It's not too much as he's first home as well, so there's time then for him to decompress his day um, before his brothers arrive and we can continue the conversation that we've had before. Whatever works for your family, that seems to work for us, depending on what your family life situation is like. It's really good to find something to do with each child independently. To be able to laugh about what's happened, to be able to talk through the day and at least to be near so that if conversation is going to start, there, there is a chance for it to happen. We often have snack together and then I have a second snack, which is just great for me um, in the afternoon when the other children come home. We talk about articles that we've heard about or people have talked about. He talks about videos that have been happening at school or things that have come up on the bus. And lately we've started a 30 day conversation about the birds and the bees, which has been rather interesting. But absolutely necessary. Take out. In my simple parenting and play planner, there's a page specifically for us to write dates for each child. With our schedules, it's hard to see how much time we spend with each child and scheduling a special date has made sense at different times during parenting. I have three children and if, you, if I tallied up the amount of verbal time that I had or time that I spent with each of these individuals, I would know that there would be deficits. Times when I'd spent a lot more time with one child because they needed it. It's never going to be equal and I don't expect it to. But there are some times when I notice that I'm spending far more time with a particular child and I really haven't connected and spent enough time with another child. And so being able to write it down in this play planner and simple parenting planner has been really helpful for me to be able to have a visual. How much time am I really spending? Is this what's causing some of the acting out and the behavior that I'm seeing? Um, maybe I need to pull back on the amount of um, time that I'm spending with this particular child, they need to have some more time to develop by themselves. So it's been really good as a, as a, a tool to be able to see how much time that I spend and whether I need to adjust it, whichever way that that goes. With our schedules, it is hard to see how much time we um, spend with each child. And we do need to spend different amounts of time. So I don't want to give the impression that we have to spend the exact same amount of time with each child. Getting away from the house often changes the mood and the conversation that we have. So actually taking our children out on the day and spending actual time with them. I get into trouble by using the word date because it can be misinterpreted and, and misunderstood. By date, I'm just meaning a special time that you have set aside where you are going to spend one-on-one -on -one time with that child as much alone as possible. So maybe that's going out of the house for a walk. Maybe that's going to the park. Maybe it's going to have something to eat. 
maybe it's going for a walk. But the point is, is that as much as you can, it's one-on-one time with them. Maybe it's going into just a separate room and you're spending time together and the other children are nearby, but they know that this is a special time that you're spending with them. Just you, just them. It doesn't have to be that you spend lots of money and you have to do these amazing um, activities, amazing things. It's just spending time together. So it can be as simple as um, helping in the kitchen, doing a contribution together, just spending time together and taking time out produces valuable conversations that you can talk about all sorts of different things and connect. Going for a walk. Boys particularly love side-by-side time. And I'll link to a post I wrote about that in the show notes. Going for a walk is perfect. So don't get me wrong. It doesn't have to be some huge hike that you need to plan for and buy the proper rucksacks and backpacks to be able to go. Just around the block is just fine. Something short where you can just put your shoes on, grab your coat if you need it, and be able to walk. Just step out of the house and go for a walk. We don't always talk, but just you and them, whether it's your son or your daughter, tells them that they are important. You can spend 15 minutes, you can spend 30 minutes, just you and your child walking, talking together, sharing, having all this verbal interaction. We've had some really good heart-to-hearts. We've had some funny conversations. Sometimes we've just walked in silence. We've learned so much about his personality when we've done it. I have three boys. So taking a child out, you get to learn a little bit more about what's going on. You can laugh and joke. Um, You can be serious and talk about things that are important. You can share stories. There's all sorts of things that you and they can do. You can just listen. You can just walk. Nothing lights up their lives than inviting them on a walk and saying to your child, you know, let's you and I just go for a walk. Just you and I. 10 minutes, let's go around the block and let's go for a walk. I have any agenda, nothing in particular. Just take them and go for a walk and see what happens. See where the conversation takes you. Go up and around your block, go further if you wish to, but it doesn't have to be long. It can be just a quick circuit down to the end of the cul-de-sac, a couple of minutes. You can build up to longer. There's just so many ways that you can take this. So there we have five different ways that we can improve our verbal interactions that don't take hours and hours, that don't require you to spend huge amounts of time, but to use the time that you already have, the time that you're already available to you with each individual child that you have at home. Quick recap, we talked about clubs and after school time. When you are doing something like tidying up the kitchen, sleep time when the kids are going to bed, finding a specific time for those older children when it's just one-on-one time with them. For us, it was early morning or after the younger ones have gone to bed. Take out, taking the children out individually for time alone with a parent, whether that's your partner or whether that's yourself. Spending time where it's just one-on-one, getting to know your child. 
And then the last one was going for a walk. Going for a walk, it doesn't have to be anything big and huge, but just taking one child and saying, hey, let's go for a walk and going for a walk with them. Nothing big, nothing planned, not too long. Be guided to choose an interaction that's based on curiosity and social time rather than academic rigor. I did mention some books that we were using um, during the times when we're at swimming or any other club times, but we don't have to choose a particular book for the academics. It just happens that we had that book and I was like, oh, let's just use it. The most important thing is that you want to be able to have some sort of interaction. So if it's an art, it can be an art-based book, it can be a non-fiction book, it can be a book on origami, it can be a book on anything. It doesn't have to be a book at all. It could be some videos that you've collected. It could be an article that you want to talk about. It could just be a story that you wanted to relate. The whole point is, you know your child, keep the action, the interaction, curious and social so that you generate the conversation that happens between you and they don't think it's school or that this has um, been engineered in a certain way. Maybe you will have the academic rigor anyway that will be in there because you'll be talking about different things. Maybe you won't. Keep at it. Be as positive and as encouraging as you can in your interaction. Nothing is more frustrating than being invited to go on a walk where you're then lectured to for the whole 10 minutes. That's not fun and that's not exciting. The same if your kid is, comes home from school and you decide to talk to them about an event and then you start lecturing them about the way that they behaved at school. There's a time and a place. And right now we're talking about quality verbal interactions and improving those. So it's finding that balance to be able to have interesting conversations, but not just let them slip into the realm of teaching or telling them off, but actually find some time for it to be fun and exciting and easygoing. Keeping the connection going as they get older is tricky because they change, we change, we have different children, we live in different areas, we want different things. They develop new habits, new things that are happening with them. It can be tricky, but we need to kind of keep up with what's going on. So we need to find different ways of connecting with them, find other things that do, develop traditions. Going for a walk was something that we did started in sixth grade and it was a sixth grade thing that we did so when he turned 11 it's like let's start going for walks and let's doing that it was a special tradition that we started in our family because he was now coming home from school by himself there was no other brothers and he could he was doing this for himself there are many other traditions like that that you can do I've heard of people having connections with the kids as they get older by having journals. They have a book where they write a question into their son or daughter and their son or daughter replies and asks a question and they have this private conversation that's going back and forth. This is great if you've got writers and, people, and children that enjoy doing that. It's just finding what works for you. Then once you've established that connection, it's keeping it going so that you can continue to have quality interaction. Many homes, children are present, but they are silent to us. 
or they're talking and connecting, but they're talking and connecting to people on their phone or online or to other people, but they're not connecting to us. And it's for us to find a way of keeping that connection going so that we can understand their point of view and be able to continue to help and support them and encourage them. So now it's your turn. If you want to improve the quality of your verbal interactions, what types of things do you do? I'd love to hear what works in your family. Use the hashtag creatingfamilyhaven on Twitter and Instagram to talk about this episode. And I'm really excited and thankful that you were here today. I know there are many things that you could be doing right now, and I'm so glad that you've chosen to come here. I hope that something I've said has triggered you to investigate something more and helped you make a decision for your wonderful family. Don't forget to leave us a rating or a comment wherever you subscribe. I know it seems like a small thing, but it's one of the best ways and it really helps new people to find the show. Show notes for today's show with links to the article that talks about the 30 million words is at raisingplayfultots.com forward slash 184. And while you're there, you can get the Raising Playful Tots note. I usually send some encouragement and ideas for our journey of intentional simple parenting and simple play every fortnight or so. See you again next time. You've been listening to Raising Playful Tots, show number 184. Come over and play. Until next week, find time for some unplugged play and intentional parenting. Goodbye.